We welcome you to Wits End Podcast with your co-hosts, Jonathan Marshall and George Antonios. And today we have a very special guest, my brother, your brother and friend, Matt Marshall. Welcome, Matt. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me back on, guys. I really enjoyed the Christmas uh, version there where you're unveiling all of your Christmas memories. And uh, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, it was enjoyable. I, I, I felt like I had gone to downtown Beirut for a moment there <laughs> you know you know who Feruz is there you go I do oh Feruz I fell in love with her at that moment and my Christmas <laughs> was not the same this year <laughs> oh it's great but uh, enjoyable um, so today we are going to jump into our new passage we don't have anything in the mailbag um, people are too worn out their brains are not functioning but we're getting towards the end of the year this is the last podcast for 2023 hard to believe we started in april Mm. wow and so uh we're going to jump right into it uh we do have some you know some lagging or unfinished business uh some things we got to get to from uh brother david deering but today we're going to get into genesis chapter three i believe brother george if you would take it away all right, Genesis chapter 3, verses, uh, let's go 1 to 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and good and evil. And there's so much to unpack there, it's not even funny. Uh, this is, the Bible opens up. This is um, one of the main speakers in the Bible. You've got a number of speakers in the Bible, God, man, the angels, uh, Lucifer. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me that the Bible opens up with marriage and the serpent's attack on the family uh, and the word of God from the get-go, um, which which is very much like real life. That's the main issues that people face. Um, to, the focus was of the attack was doubt and disobedience to the word of God. And to, fors- to ignore or forsake the word of God concerning the family is to cause its destruction. So we can talk about that. Uh, communists are still attacking the family as the basic uh, basic fundamental structure of uh, society. Uh, we can talk about Gnosticism because there's Gnosticism going on there. He's offering her esoteric knowledge. There's attack on the woman, on the female sex especially. It's interesting that he targets the woman. Uh, we can talk about uh, a lot of people when they hear that story, probably our listeners are already imagining uh, Eve and the serpent under the tree. Although I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. It may have been, but there's nothing really that says that that conversation was happening under the tree. Uh, we can talk about why is it that God allowed the serpent to come into the garden, and we get into we can take that direction. So I don't know which direction you guys want to take or all of them, but those are the main things that I see. All right, we're going to let our special guest make the choice on this one. Cool, that's good. I was going to say we're, that's a that's a ping pong option there. Uh, which way we're we going to go? I think I think it's all there. So <laughs> un- unbelievable. It's just to me. What's amazing is is uh, the narrative moves to like the the tension in the whole story of the Bible is introduced there in chapter three, and it's it, it's mm. not resolved until the kingdom, uh, and the, the Satan Satan comes in and starts to split the you know the role of women and men and and both of them against God. Uh, it's it's as if if Satan is trying to it's a, to me it's a judicial setting. The whole thing's a judicial setting because hmm. right after that, uh, when they sin, it's judicial with God. He curses the serpent. He curses Adam. He curses Eve or gives them the curse. And 
that's kind of the same thing that Satan was trying to do. Satan, in my, my opinion, Satan was trying to get two witnesses against God. So hmm. uh, God is to be proven Interesting. false, right? Because this co-regency thing is what's still on Satan's mind. How can I rule alongside God? Well, now I can't rule along, alongside God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to try to get Adam and Eve to rule, to be tempted to rule alongside me. Hmm. And in this way, I can bring witnesses against God and prove that he is not real. I think it's still that whole concept of the death of God. That he's really not real. He's really not there. And his word cannot be trusted. We know that's what he's attacking is, is the word. So basically... The charge was, it's, it's so wild to me because it's the same thing they brought against Jesus. That uh, he would, Satan's bringing these charges against God that, that God's the false witness. Hmm. He's not giving the truth. And Satan, I'm giving you the real truth. God's not giving the real truth. And they did that with Jesus where they, bla you know, you're blasphemy. You're not telling the truth about yeah. God. Tell the truth about God. Well, they're, that's they're what Satanism you. is and Gnosticism. Yeah, Jehovah the serpent is actually the liberator. Yeah, and Jehovah God is the is the uh, slave master, and the serpent has come and he's you know delivered us by offering us knowledge. He's like the Prometheus of the Greek mythology who offers fire to mankind against the will of the gods. And uh, but we 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 were discussing that last time on one of the podcasts that the knowledge that he wanted us to get though was knowledge of evil. The Lord was not right. keeping knowledge away from us; he was keeping knowledge of evil away from us. Well, he Satan here is bringing the I believe he's bringing this charge uh, that that God is a false witness, but he doesn't. According to the, according to the the law, you need two witnesses, so he can't be the only guy, the only person in the in the in the rooms or the, in, in the courtroom saying God's wrong. He's got to try to convince Adam and Eve that he is right, and you need to come to my side. And so he goes to Eve because Eve is the user one to to flip you know, to turn because she didn't get the, the command uh, straight to her. She got it from her husband if she did get it from her husband. Uh, well, she knows it, but she, you know, she is not the, it, it, basically Satan goes to the right person in his mind to flip the narrative on his side. Hmm, would not another angel, would not another angel have counted? Um, I know the Bible actually, uh, does never actually says that angels fell with Satan when he fell, although that's reasonably derived. Uh, but I mean, he would have had other witnesses there with him, unless maybe we can say that he needed a witness from mankind. So you'd have one angelic witness and one, one human witness. Well, and, and, and technically the law had not been given. Uh, we know that it's a, the law is an expression of God. And so it yeah. would have been in God right. before the law was given, but that admonition was, or that, uh, command was given in the uh, in the Mosaic law, so that's something right. to keep in mind. But I I think the point is excellent, and it made me think immediately of Job, uh, and how Job sought. Uh, actually, God called Satan, you know, to to account and said, "Hast thou considered my servant Job?" So He pointed Job out, but then Job sought to get uh, Satan sought to get Job to turn against God, and by accusing him, the way he did it though was by persecution, by just blunt hmm. force to get him to turn away from God. Oh, and good. I find it interesting that Job's wife seems to have been on the fence. 
Now, I've heard her maligned and I've heard her praised. Obviously, when your husband is suffering, you want it to end. Uh, but the idea that she was ready to say, curse God and die, rather than you suffering. Um, and Eve was under a curse, was put placed under the curse by, by Satan as well, uh, by means of Satan. And so I do see that interesting um, judicial setting there with Satan trying to turn man against God. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I find is that he is the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, and of course he is Leviathan in, in the book of Job. But mm. in both cases, he is, um, he is present attempting to turn mankind away from God. And uh, he nearly, he, he obviously succeeds in the case of Eve and Adam. Uh, and it seems he nearly, he nearly succeeds in the book of Job, even though God, you know, God used, I love how God yeah. uses the subject of Satan. Um, he actually, he talks about how powerful he is in the form of Leviathan and says, yeah, I'm, can you do what I can do? Yeah, oh man, that's so cool. He enters into that debate with him, but I think it's excellent. Something I'm interested in, George, you meant you alluded to it. And that is now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now we know that the serpent was a physical animal and mm -hmm. what it appears of there is that this, that Satan inhabited this beast. Subtlety is not, um, we, we think of subtlety as evil. And most of the time it's a neg it's a negative, there's a negative connotation to it in scripture. But the book of Proverbs was written to give subtlety to the young man. And so subtlety is not inherently evil. It's just uh, layers. It's uh, what's a, what's another ad adjective or um, synonym for that? The ability for to, yeah. Uh, smooth. Uh, nuanced. Uh, nuanced. Uh... Multidimensional. Yeah. Um, subtle. So, so you've got this, this beast who is more subtle, who is, uh, less overt, less extroverted, less obvious and, and, and more, um, demure. I'm trying to think of a, did you find one? <laughs> Maybe a thesaurus, an online thesaurus. Yes. For How subtle. do you say that? Thesaurus? Thesaurus. Refine split hairs. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Is that from the thesaurus? Refine no. is good. Subtle, indirect. Yeah, especially cunning. when we want cunning. That's good. Sophisticated, I intricate. Acute. Mm. Penetrating. Ingenious. <laughs> are you re are you reading George's bio again? <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's the one that he wrote for himself, but no one, yeah. no one accepts. See other sources. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how guys like. I just found out that Maya Angelou must have written like seven autobiographies of herself for nine. <laughs> Barack Obama wrote. Bar Barack Obama wrote two by the time he was like forty-five. I don't know how you. How in the world? I don't get how rich your life person. is. Man. Yeah. <laughs> multiple autobiographies you know yes i did i, I, I mean I the lord has four my gospels life. maya angela's got seven you know or nine whatever it was there's so much i want to say about myself i don't even know where to start yeah you can but, write your own commentary on how to read your autobiography <laughs> interpreting my own biography 
appreciating me. Learn how to appreciate me in different levels. Um, okay, so that, in other words, that is the kind of beast that we're dealing with. And it's interesting yeah. that Satan is not mentioned in the in the text. Um, but everybody right. knows who it was. And Scripture tells us that it was Satan. Yes. But... Uh, but he does say, he does say, you know, as the serpent beguiled Eve. Um, so it's interesting how that, how that's brought up both times. Yeah. I think Subtleties. a good Bible synonym for subtle is crafty. Yes, that's very good. Yeah, craft. He taketh yeah, the wise in their own craftiness. <clears throat> and, yeah. and the Second Corinthians 11, 3. But I fear yeah. lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Subtlety. Mm -hmm. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that yes. is in Christ. Oh man, I preached on that the other night. Just how uh, we often Satan tempts us to think that more uh, more complex things are wise, and less mm. complex things yep. are foolish. Yes, sir. And and he God wants us to God simplifies things for us. You know He knows our frame. <laughs> he That's knows what right. we're made of. And I think that really ties into what Satan is saying here: the battle over the mind, over Eve's mind, ultimately Adam's mind, is what's going on. And he's, you know, casting down imaginations. He's basically, he's building this image in the mind of Adam and Eve that is not God. But he, he wants that to see it as God. And really to, to just question a little bit, to move that, you know, childlike, innocent, I trust God no matter what. He's trying to move that needle just a little bit over mm -hmm. to, you know, if you can't get it to him, then it gets, it gets it to them, Right. Uh, if you can't get him to worship himself, he'll get them to worship themselves, and that's that's his pattern from from this from this chapter on. Um, you know, and I I think about that. That mind is where that battle is happening. He he basically he doesn't even give them. There's there's nothing physical here for Adam and Eve to hold on to except the the fruit that's sitting there. Hmm. The, it's all it's all it's all uh, God's word. It's spiritual. God said, don't touch that tree. Now, God showed them a tree. Apparently, they knew where it was. But the battle was over what God said about the tree. Right. So, as someone said, Eve is the first legalist because she added, neither shall you touch it. Well, that was all about what she put in her own head. Oh, that's good, man. I'm going to add that. She put that in her own <clears throat> head that if I touch it, I'll die. And she didn't even know what that meant. But when she... I heard a preacher say one time, when she touched it and did not physically die, that's when she said, what else is God lying to me about? Now, Man. she died spiritually. Something happened to her, I imagine, physically as well. But uh, it is weird when, when you think about the battle that's going on with the mind right there of God said, don't touch that. And she said, yeah, or God said, don't eat that. And she said, yeah, God said, don't touch that. And boy, do we do that with God's word. We add on our own restrictions our own blessing or our own punishment based on what we think God is saying. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm writing good. this stuff down, man. I love that's it. good. And I, I heard a preacher say, he said, that's what we do with our kids. When we say, if you do this, then this will happen. Well, if we're adding on to God's commands, it may not happen what we say. <laughs> and so we can actually inoculate, our young people to the words of God by adding to them and even in, even in the judgment of those words of how God's going to meet out judgment if they don't follow them. And uh, so I think it's just we got to be careful. We, we often add these barriers or these these uh, protective 
barriers out further and further, right? The concept of a standard, so to speak, that keeps us from uh, going to the sin. But we, we must always say this line is a standard. It's not a Bible verse. It's not a Bible doctrine. It's a barrier that I've put between me and that sin. Yeah, it's. I, I know like we say, you know, what you do in moderation, your kids will do to excess. But then the Bible also says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. So yeah. you got to balance that too. You know, right. well, and and right. and you know that idea of there. There's a great example of what you just said because the first statement is not in scripture. The second sta- the second statement is. Amen. And yep. it's an accepted truth. And what is it based on? It's based on fear, and it's based on earthly wisdom. The idea that whatever you do, your kids will do more. But wait a second, you're discounting the grace of God. Mm-hmm. You talk to anybody who has raised kids, quote unquote, successfully. You know what they'll say? It was the grace of God. You know why? Because yeah. they look back, if they're honest, they can see as many ways they did it wrong and missed it mm-hmm. as they did it right. And I think that's what I think that's what uh, Eve is missing here is she's she's missing the grace of God. In the day that thou eatest of, thou shalt surely die. But she forgot about God's grace, or she didn't realize the depth of God's grace, because God was going to let her live and actually understand as a human being uh, the substitutionary sacrifice, that principle of a substitute dying for your sin. She was going to live to see that in her physical body, even though the relationship was broken. Um, she was going to be able to experience that. And so, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that she was going to cease to exist. It means her relationship with God was going to change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what the whole thing about it is. Is the whole thing in my mind, or from one standpoint, it's all about relationships. The relationship between God and man between man and his wife, between man and Satan, and between Satan and God. It's uh, the reconciliation God desires to reconcile all men through Jesus Christ, and Satan desires to isolate all men through Jesus, uh, through through his own spirit of Antichrist, pushing people apart, away from God, away from each other. God wants to bring people together. So the serpent yeah. was so subtle, he's able to get in there, slide in to the crack. There was a tiny crack between what God said and what Eve understood. Well, the crack was what if, what if God is lying and it's, it's, oh, it's doubt. And it's, and it's the seed of doubt that he, he basically germinates the seed of doubt and, and waters that seed. Basically he's saying to Eve, um, God has a secret ulterior motive. He has yeah. an ulterior motive. Yeah. Why he has restricted you from this, giving this prohibition. But what's amazing is really what 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 he kind of got her on was you'll be as God. So that same co-regency that he was trying mm-hmm. to get, he's mm-hmm. trying to offer to man, but he, did, he didn't have it to give. And so at the end of the day, Satan is the one that's lying, even though he's accusing God of lying. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he and Eve doesn't get what he promises that he's gonna, she's going to get. She doesn't get any regency. She doesn't get any no she um, lost leadership. It, if anything, yeah, she lost. Oh, all of it. She, she had probably a better standing with Adam sure. before she, she did. She was already queen of the earth, literally. She was, yeah. the, she was the queen of the earth. It's important to... The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, Satan. So it's important to talk about how he deceived us. Because in most people's minds, mine included, before reading the Bible, you think of Satan, you're thinking... You think Satan, you're thinking like torture and, and rape, you know, uh, drugs... Uh, you're just you're thinking these things, right? you know, like a har- harlotry, fornication, uh, mm-hmm. and he certainly runs those things. 
but the the Satan of the Bible, it's almost like these things he lets he uh, gives off to he delegates to junior level fallen angels. Yeah, devil in the Bible is <clears throat> is uh, is a theologian. He's dealing with the Word of God, as you pointed out, Matt, in the very beginning. Uh, so th- his his main spheres of influence are theology, um, politics. He's fighting over a kingdom. He has the kingdoms well, of this even world. Even the word devices, I was doing a study on that last week. We're not ignorant of his devices. You know, in modern English, we use that as, uh, you know, we think it's a, as a type of weapon, right? Uh, his device, he's used a certain kind of weapon. The word device means to divide. So I said mm. to the church, mm. I said, understand his number one weapon is division. If he can divide mom versus dad, husband, wife, kids versus parents, uh, church against pastor, pastor against people, you know, church you against, against God. Yeah. Then he then he just gets in that wedge and he creates the 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 illusion that God is not telling the truth. That's all he wants is just that mm-hmm. thought. God's not telling you the truth. That's a good point about the. Uh about did did satan even have available to him what he was offering it was he even able to secure that because I, I think for myself when i was a kid um there was a couple times when there would be people around who would promise me things and i i really wanted it and so i believed it mm. i believed that they could give that to me and i didn't have the capability in my simplicity to think does this person can they even access this can they even provide this but it didn't matter because it was my own heart and th- and really what God was doing. I love brother George. You, you mentioned somebody said somebody, they called this, uh, the garden of Eden was the dragon trap. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, God is trapping Satan here by putting someone very vulnerable, allowing that vulnerable person to, to, to come into contact with him. And God was fleshing out or flushing out the, uh, the desires of Eve's heart by by giving him a chance to tempt her with this stuff what will she choose will she choose satan or will she choose god and she believed satan more than she believed god and he was promising her the ability to determine and discern between good and evil that's the godlike power that he's offering her you will know you know the good and evil that's the only god can divide between truly between good and evil and his word divides that and he you know so satan's offering her um this ability because he wanted it he wanted the ability to be able to discern both good and evil he wanted to be god (laughs) and so um i think satan really again like you said is offering something that he that he he couldn't deliver on and that's so true it's so true and it's wild because he uses the same attack culturally right now it's still to the ladies to the women of the world that god's lying to you about you god's lying to you about him god's lying to you about your culture and i will give you a better life you'll have more fun you'll be more free you'll be able to you know control your own destiny um it's it's just it's just wild. It's it's right there in our children's cartoons in front of us. <laughs> yeah, the the um, to discern good and evil, he definitely doesn't have the the power to outline and and judge in the sense of establish what is establish, good and what right. is evil. Yeah, right, right. But uh, but um, one of the reasons why this uh, temptation was so insidious was because it did have a a truth behind it. He did say, "You shall be as gods," and then at the end, uh, sadly, 
the Lord says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, and the Lord called, God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And mm. um, so sadly, we, we did gain um, true. That, That's, that is true. Um, but it, the problem with us is God can know good and evil without being touched by the evil, without being infected by the evil. And we cannot know evil without being transformed by it. And the moment we, we came into contact with it and took cognizance of it, we also lost our innocence. And it it made us, the knowledge of evil made us evil, sadly, whereas it doesn't with God. And that's uh, that's something you have to trust. That You have to trust God with that. You have to trust that God cannot be corrupted and has not been corrupted by evil. And people say, well, where did evil come from? Well, it came from Satan, and I believe that. But God created Satan with the capability of of developing evil, apparently. I don't know what the other uh, logical answer would be. If God did not create evil, but he created someone who is capable of, of creating evil, then we have to trust we have to trust God with evil. And isn't that really what the entire book of Job is about and so much of mm, human civilization yeah. is trusting God with evil. That's uh, you get into real deep stuff here. It's like, you know, people ask, why did God allow the serpent into the garden? I, I mean, there, there's, there, there's a kind of a, <clears throat> a temporary answer, which is really, it wasn't God. It was Adam because he put him in Genesis chapter two. He said, you keep the garden to dress and to keep it. We had discussed mm -hmm. that. You know? mm -hmm. And so it seems like I don't want to be too hard on Adam because I am Adam. But it seems like he he somehow the mm -hmm. he was supposed to keep him out, and the devil found a way in through the most subtle of the creatures. Which well, you can what, go where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and and we rejoice in that as sinners. We're thankful that God's grace abounds. But remember, grace is only necessary because of sin, and the grace of God that was shown here in God providing the coats of skins and God allowing them to live and to bear children who would eventually worship God. But but that grace was only necessary because of sin. And it's it's the two-sided, uh, we have to remember both sides as you go into it. Was, was God evil for allowing evil? No, but God, could God, uh, was Adam right in what he did? No, he should have been protecting the garden, but God showed grace. Well, okay, well then I guess I can do whatever I want. Well, that right there proves that you don't trust God because you believe that you can live your own life and do your own thing and that it really doesn't matter what God says. Because if you do what God says, your life won't be as good. If you follow what he says and trust his word, he's actually holding out on you. And there's something, there's something in fornication that's better than being uh, celibate or being married to one person. There's something in in deception that's better than telling the truth, right? It, it, that's the it's the ex, all of human existence is learning to trust God's word above my own feelings, and I think that's yeah, where. And, and Satan always tells you that it tastes sweet, but he doesn't tell you about the aftertaste. And if you talk to anybody about going that down that path about God's holding out on me. I should try that. That's it's the same exact trap every time. It's just, we're that dumb. We just go for it every time. And, and it doesn't matter. And, and, and if a person is, is stubborn, if a person is a, you know, a fool, though thou bray a fool and mortar among pestle, you know, if he's just foolish, 
It doesn't matter what you say to them. They're, they have to try. They have to try it to say, yep, you're right. <laughs> and, mm. you know, some people will learn by word and some people learn by experience, I guess. But they learn by listening and some people learn by experience. Mm. I like that. It tells you about the taste, but not about the aftertaste. I'm going to write that down. It, it's so wild because she never even she didn't even know what it tasted like. But it looked like it tasted good. Yeah. So she had a whole food. like citadel of imagination of what that one tree must be like. Now, I don't know how much she thought about it. I don't know how much Adam thought about it. I don't know if they ever had a conversation about it at all. Uh, you know, we know that Adam got the, the prohibition directly from God. We're assuming that he passed it down to his wife because she said it. And in that game of, you know, telephone, she added the neither shall you touch it. So that, I mean, that's a great point right there. How much did Adam re, uh, reiterate this prohibition to his wife? Or how much did she imagine that neither shall you touch it? I don't know. But it, that might just be human nature that the word of God can get diluted if we don't keep reiterating it <laughs> and rehearsing it in our minds. But uh, man, by the, by the time she was there in that trap where, we, you know, we talk about Satan being trapped, but of course, so is Eve being trapped here, looking just like mesmerized by this fruit. She did not know what she was getting into. And I will say this to, to any young person out there that's listening. Um Spend some time around people that have scars and, yeah. and listen to their stories and say to yourself, how did they get that? You remember one of our Bible college professors, Brother John, he used to say, I'm not supposed to call you Brother John, sorry. Um, <laughs> John, Johnny boy, do you remember that one Bible college professor? <laughs> he said, he said, he goes, yeah, you know, this person fell in sin and that person fell in sin. But you are the one exception in the world. You're the one that will never fall. He used to you know, say it sarcastically. But, man, he made that point so many times in college. I thought I've thought about that often. That's the big temptation is I'm the one that's going to get away with it. I'm the one that's going to you know, be able to stand up and and uh and survive whatever's brought my way that's that reminds me when i was at uh, a counselor at the welcome home mission for uh, working with addicts uh, of all kinds um after a while when they would come into my office the first thing i would tell them i said look uh if they're gonna come into this program i said there's there's two there's people that make that can there's people that can control their addiction and there's people that cannot i said there really are people that can control it Mm -hmm. um, and then I go on a spiel. I would develop that point for like five minutes that some people can't control it and some people cannot <clears throat> and uh, that most people cannot, but some people can. And, I, and by the end of that, I would tell them, I said, if while I was talking, you were thinking that you're part of the uh, 1% that can control it. Congratulations. You're part of the 99% that cannot because the 99% of people that cannot control it think that they were the one person who can control it. Mm. And you'd see like their faces change because the whole time they were listening in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I'm one of the guys I can control it. <laughs> and I, I get, you know, as a pastor, I've heard it now, you know, two, three times from surprisingly older men of, even in one case, some men of God, I, I've heard it. Uh, people say like, uh, if they get out of sorts with the church or if they're on their way out or anything, They'll say, look, you know, it's like, I'm not like other people. You know, I'm different. I don't know how many times I've heard people go, I'm different. You know, like they can follow, they can submit. I'm just different. You know, I'm not comfortable. In this. Everybody says they're different. Mm. 
It's like the it's like the teenagers walking around uh, with the with the on a rebellious kick, uh, you know, being different with a, with a with a with a pin that's mass produced. You know, it's it it just <laughs> every everybody thinks they're different. Mm. You ever met somebody but... that said, "I'm just a clone." well and and, and there's only two humans even around at this point and i don't know that eve was thinking i'm different but i think that i'm different thing is just a a smoke screen for what's actually going down Uh in their heart which is this is what i want to do this is what i want to do and when she saw that it was a tree that was good for food and when she saw that she basically when she realized that she really wanted it on multiple levels, it didn't matter what God said. Now she's going to get it. And and I, that's why we have to be careful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It is desperate to get what it wants. It's not necessarily desperate to, for wickedness. It's, it, it's desperate that's for good. what it desires. And that it's, that is wicked. The desperation of the human desire that says, I don't care what is right or wrong. This is what I want. And so I will make it right. It will be right because it is what I want. And that's why we have to learn to doubt. You know, it's interesting that this, this whole situation, it was faith in God's word that was required. And it is what Jesus Christ exercised when he was confronted with Satan. He exercised what? It was not his will in the, in the uh, open you know, straightforward sense. It was not his will versus Satan's will. It was Satan's desire versus God's word. That's where Jesus went. He didn't say, and what, what would have been different if, 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 if uh, Eve had said, uh, if Eve had said actually what it was that God said, and it said, I'm trusting him above all things. You know, because she did quote, she did say, God hath said, you shall not eat of it. But what if she had quoted straight up exactly what God said and then said, I am leaning on his word. If he's wrong, I'm going down. I mean, that's really what you have to almost say. Because I've been thinking about this thing of simplicity where, you know, the the Lord wants, you know, it's not being a simple person is not good in the book of Proverbs. It, It means you're naive, you're impressionable, you're vulnerable. You don't understand what's going on. That's what being simple means. But when he says in First Corinthians that he's, I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's not simplicity itself. It is the simplicity that is in Christ. So I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. So a lot of times we get frustrated in our Christian lives because we're trying to figure this situation out. And what God does is he forces us to come to a point where we say, I don't have, I don't understand. I don't get it, but I love Jesus Christ and I'm following him and I'm going to do what he wants me to do. That's the simplicity. I can't explain this situation, but I can worship God. I don't know why I'm in prison. I don't know why I'm in this you know, adverse circumstance, but I can trust God. And that's the simplicity because that's, that's even what Christ did all the way through. He said, I, I speak only those things that my father speaks. I'm not here for myself. And, and he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Mm. And even to the point of going further than any of us have gone, which is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, all the way to the cross, he trusted his father, and then his father turned his back on him. And he still trusted. 
though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that 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 is if if Eve could have said, I'd rather settle and be with God than to forsake him and have more. I think that's that's kind of the crux where a lot of us, I think it's where every Christian gets to. I'd rather settle because the devil always makes the option of choosing the wrong thing more attractive. I'd rather not have the nicest and be with God. You know, temptation follows a, a, a same track almost every time. And the, the first step in temptation is listening. We often think it's looking. But it's really listening because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the first thing he wants you to do is just just listen. Just just give me a give me a chance, right? So That's just good. listen to this. And then <laughs> what you do is Hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. That's good. <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. Yeah, that that's that's uh trying to keep putting your word in there. Boy, isn't that true? Um listen listening is the very first thing he did. And then he got her to kind of loosen her faith on what god said then he tempts her with what do you look at right so here here's here's what you're looking at and when if you're if you're right now you're looking at a temptation you are already three steps into falling because you've listened to the devil over god and you're loosening already what your faith your faith on that truth and in that truth rather and now you're looking then it's interesting because I don't know how much Eve actually looked at the tree. We can imagine she did before, but it's the scripture seems to imply that she never saw it this way, right? Because it she knows about the tree. She's made this thing in her mind of don't touch it. But verse six says, and when the woman saw, and what did she see? She saw that the tree was good for food. She had never seen it that way before. It seems that that tree was good for food. She saw it as don't go there. She added, don't touch it. But by verse six, after she listened and kind of loosened up her thinking, she looked at it and then she longed for it. Right now I want it. And then is this a grab it. Is this a message, Matt? I feel that the alliteration is, is bleeding through at this point. I'm beginning to see. Have have you guys ever, (laughs) been in the middle of something and the last point won't work yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why you're gonna alliterate. invent the word the neologism to make it work you're just gonna you're alliterating and then then you scour for that word that's and it. you're like man I got, i'm gonna have to change a doctrine in the I, bible but i'm getting uh, this thing alliterated saw, pastor you know pastor sal's sermon on like finding a, a mate or whatever yes. or help me the five he called it the five f's and the f- last one was physical and somebody pointed out that physical is with a PH, so he started went around calling it the five. F's. Well, that man, I've had that so many times. You know, it's like sometimes it just lines right up. Other times, it's like no, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. But I, alliteration. I, what's so interesting to me is we often focus on what we shouldn't look at, when in reality, that's halfway through the temptation. Yeah, See, the, I, I really like what you said there about so it's it's hearing. Um, you know, there's, it's harmaciology, the study of sin. Uh, there's five, usually you're taught there's five stages. There's the presentation, the devil presents something to be coveted, uh, as he did with Christ. And there's illumination where your conscience identifies it as sinful Romans seven. Then mm. there's the debate. And that's usually where already sin has come in at the debate point because you're supposed to write flat out rejected. The moment you flirt mm. with it, you've, you've, you've begun to sin. 
Because I think sometimes, especially younger Christians, we think, well, I'll just go up to the line, you know, but I won't cross the line. But I want to get, it's like Dina going out to see the daughters of the world. Is I want to see as far as I can. And, to, mm-hmm. and But already once you're debating, you're in sin. Then there's the decision. The, you, you proceed to the thought, word, or deed, James chapter se- uh, Joshua chapter 7, and then death where you reap what you sow. But I've always, presentation, uh, especially with the story of Genesis, because when the woman saw, uh, the Bible commentators have always emphasized sinning through covetousness by eyes. And that's in the Bible. You know, uh, right. Achan saw the Babylonish garment and the wedge of gold and the money. Uh, David saw Bathsheba. <clears throat> Eve saw the tree was good for food. But with the, with the, in the past couple of years, debating with so many people and preaching to so many people, especially like intellectuals who oppose the gospel, that is exactly how they come in. If you are a gracious person and if you're not, if you are, you know, you're not insecure, are you, in your beliefs? Surely you can listen to something and discern what's good and evil. Just hear me out. Just like I, I hear you out. It's free speech. You know, just let me say my piece and then you can decide. And I mean, there's some truth to that, but that's exactly where the danger lies also. A lot of times we will lend an ear before we actually look at the thing. That's that's really cool. I, I mean, I think, about, that. think about Satan's temptation of Jesus, right? Um, tempter came to him and said, if thou be the son of God, he didn't show him the temple. He didn't show him the kingdoms of the world yet. He said, mm. are you, do you really believe who you, God says you are? If thou be the son of God, there's a question right there on the words. The question on are you the truth? If thou be the son of God, command these stones be made. Now do this, now do this miracle. But he didn't show him anything at first, right? He tempted him. And, That's good. And buffeted him. And what did he do? He always comes That's after good. the words. If he can break down the validity of the words, he's got you. That's good. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's in in the case of uh, uh, husband and wife. You know, you're not going to if you love your wife or your you love your husband, you're not going to see somebody that's going to shake your faith in them. You're not going to see somebody who's like, oh, I should have married them. I should have married that person. If you, if that happens, it's because there already has been, there has been, um, there have been several steps taken. There are, there has been an erosion mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. faith and trust in your spouse. Uh, it's not like, I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid that one of these days I'm going to meet somebody that's going to make me regret. No. And, and that, that actually transitions or there is an accompanying um, truth in your relationship with God. Because if you're walking around looking for a better God or looking for, you know, a better life without God, you're going to find things that are going to naturally push you that direction. Um, which, by the way, you're going to have to, you know, there's a lot of things you're taking for granted if you decide to become an atheist, if you decide to walk away from God. There's a lot of things that you are going to take, that you're go- not going to have access to. A lot of things, questions you can't even imagine. Just like when you say, well, you know, I'm interested in this person, even though I'm married, I'm, I'm kind of thinking you're taking for granted a lot of things. And but, but what Satan is saying is you're going to have what you have and then you're going to add to that. I'm just I'm just helping you kind of spruce up, like level up your policy to plus it up a little bit more. And in reality, he has a, the actual truth is he has a completely different foundation from which he operates. And that is being outside of the realm of God. I see the grace of God in the existence of Satan. Because if I were God, I would have destroyed Satan the moment he sinned. 
completely destroyed him, he no longer exists. And the fact that you're able to doubt God, the fact that you're able to hate God, is as much the grace of God as anything. The fact that, that God allowed Eve to even be tempted in this way shows how much he loves her because he's not forcing her to love him and to follow him. He's giving her the choice and the option. And we look at that and, you know, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the heart of this, you know, the heart of men is fully set in them to do evil. I think God allows us to make these choices. And so here we are, here's, here's Eve and she is doubting and doubting and wondering. And by the end of it, you know, she had to watch her son, her son's bloody corpse, you know, Abel. Yeah. She had to see that, which she never would have seen. And she has but, to wonder, like, how could God allow this? Well, let me run this question by you then, guys, because that goes back a little to the philosophical nature of the, the whole setup is, is uh, you know, why did God allow Satan to the garden? And we were saying it's Adam that actually allowed him. He should have kept him out. But but that doesn't actually solve the issue. It just, it just kicks the can, can further down the road because, you know, sometimes we say, you know, I'll say God allowed, God allowed Satan so we can have a choice, so mankind can have a choice. Uh, between choosing God and choosing the devil. And that is the way that real love is evidenced is because you have a choice to make. And once you make the choice, then God knows that you really do love him. And that's the very nature of love. It's, it's one that requires a choice between two alternatives, at least. <clears throat> but I was thinking about it, though. Uh, God created the angels before mankind. And Lucifer didn't have a Satan to tempt him. He didn't have another choice. And the Bible says iniquity was found in the, in Ezekiel 28. That blows my mind. I mean, there's somebody, because angels are free moral agents like human beings, even more so. And they are gods. And um, that scares me, man. It's like, what was there to tempt the devil to begin with? It, it, it seems like, because we say, God has to allow a choice, but the angels didn't have a choice in that sense. There was no Satan to tempt them. And I'm sure they did love God. They could they could show their love for God. And then one day, uh, so it's a bit of a moot point to say that it's to allow a choice because that wasn't the situation with the angels. That scares me, that that thought. And, I mean, I trust I the Lord know. that in eternity we're not going to fall. I trust God with that. That is That's exactly but, you know, a guy I was discipling. He brought that question up to me. He's like, how do we know this is not going to repeat? Right. Again? <laughs> yeah, because like the devil did it, right? Or, uh, how, you know, like we talk about Michael and Gabriel. How do you know that Michael isn't one day going to rebel against God? Yeah. 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 And that's one of those. Um, yeah. All right, well, let's go to the next passage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to trust that it's not going to happen again, that eternity is, you know. Yeah. I think I mean, when you we're, we're when you have can, a sinless body, but angels are able of falling. Lucifer did. Why can't Michael or Gabriel in the future? And, and again, it, it leads back to trusting God. Mm -hmm. If they if it ever does happen again, it will be for the same reasons, and yet it will be against the same God, the same trustworthy, loving God, who fixed all of the problems, who redeemed fallen mankind to himself who made a new heaven and a new earth if it ever does happen again it will be for the same reasons and it'll be against the same wonderful creator and we can trust in that and i think it actually it should cause us to be more scared not of the outside temptations but of the 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 depraved human heart that that wants what it wants where did where did the sin come from 
you know, he said that was perfect in all the ways until iniquity was yeah. found in thee. Well, it, it's, but if, if I'm in heaven, I'm in on eternity and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this could happen again. Maybe let's say I, as a born again Christian, because at that point we're physically born again, we have a body just like Jesus Christ. So, and the Bible guarantees our future. But if I'm, if, you know, I'm going to love the angels, I'm going to love Michael and Gabriel. And if I'm sitting there thinking in the back of my mind, you know, maybe in a million years, this guy's going to rebel. That takes away from my felicity, from my enjoyment. Uh, you know, Augustine was the, the discussing that point, And the early Christians were actually discussing that point. It's like, how do we know the angels out in eternity aren't going to sin? And if we think that they still have the potential to sin, that takes away from our f enjoyment of eternity. Uh, who, who, who does it take away from? Mine. Like if, you know, I'm, we're going to love the angels, right? We're going to have a relationship with them. Uh, we're coming to an innumerable, innumerable company of angels, Hebrews tells us. And if I'm thinking, well, one day I'm loving him now, but one day this guy's going to turn evil like Lucifer. He's going to end up in the lake of fire. It, 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 you know. Well, what do you think God feels like? Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, he's, it, I don't know. But it takes away from my felicity. Like, I, how can... How can I enjoy it knowing this 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 is a potential failure coming up? I mean, given enough time, there's be enough people that'll fall, enough angels that'll fall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's why years ago I remember hearing uh, uh, two preachers talking, and one was very was talking very um, experimentally or hypothetically, and he was saying, he said, "Have you ever considered that maybe one day you will have to go?" to another planet another solar system somewhere and die for the sins of those people and uh he like he was like way out yeah. and uh the other preacher is like no nope, never have <laughs> <laughs> it was so great it's such a great response like well, to no, me you know paul was dealing salt. with that paul was dealing with that you know neither give he the fables endless genealogies which minister questions Mm. At the end of the day, that's why I told the guy, I said, well, if this thing doesn't help me know God better, if this question doesn't bring me closer to God, I probably should flush it to some degree, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I remember, and it's wild, George, I remember John getting in these type of conversations with people all my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you, that's not true. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, we would meet some very strange people out there. I'll tell you what, man. You talk about oh, man. the gospel light attracts strange bugs. <laughs> no doubt about it. Crazy. <laughs> but I, I do think at, at the end of the day that, in my opinion, um, the most important lesson from this is if you want to, you can trust the word of God mm. because it is trustworthy and you will be happy. You will be fulfilled you will have not just enough, but you will be abundantly blessed. If you want to do that, God's not going to force you to, but, but that's an option. The other option is mistrust the word of God, um, come up with your own device, your own plan. And I can't help but think about, I, I was just doing, when you mentioned that device, I, I had been thinking about that uh, right before you said that. And then when you go to the New Testament, you can see, um, the device is linked in the book of Acts. There's only two mentions of the word device in the New Testament. And one of them is in Acts where Paul's there in Athens. And he said, uh, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone mm. graven by art and man's device. Uh, what is that? It is 
a man's plan that doesn't include God. It's another God. It's another direction. Mm. And so like, if you have your own, you know, I need to have a plan for my life. Well, be careful with that. Be careful that it's not a device of your own making that doesn't include the God of heaven. Because Satan definitely has a device for you that doesn't include God. Uh, it does include God as the antagonist, not as the hero. He, he flips it around. God's there, but God's the bad guy, not the good guy. And God's keeping stuff from you. God, that's, that's why you're not married, Satan tells you, is because God doesn't really care about you. That, that's, that's why you are in the ministry position that you're in, is because somebody messed something up, something happened, God doesn't really care and know about where you are. He's always, that's, that's why you're in the marriage that you're in. That's why you have the spouse that you have, because somebody messed up something somewhere and God doesn't really, God would have cared about you in that scenario. But in this scenario, he's really, his hands are tied. Like there's nothing he can do. In other words, there's a better God that's not available to you. Like you can't have that good God. So the best thing is for you to take your own, take it in your own hands and make your own God become your own God because you can't trust God to do it right. And he did the same thing with Jesus he tempted him to start the kingdom early and basically that's the same that's the same charge of god he doesn't know what he's talking about his timing is not right you know a better timing uh than god and i was preaching about joseph um uh, jesus's stepfather right don't go to joseph uh-oh okay sorry is that a bad bad bible no character? no no it's good it's good it's good <laughs> no i was just thinking about his father who when he was faced with a trial of mary is expecting and i'm not the father what did he do he ran to god's word he rested in god's word and both mary and joseph were people of the bible and particularly of the book of deuteronomy they when when joseph is minding to put her away privily he is thinking over deuteronomy what do I do? Do I put her away privily? Do I let her, do I do her publicly? Do I have her killed publicly at the door of her father's house? The question is, uh, I mean, the amazing thing to me was that, that Deuteronomy was a part of the, the uh, Mary's quote unquote magnificent, you know, her prayer, her song. And it was also a part of what Joseph was thinking about. Well, guess what book Jesus used against the devil? All three times was the book of Deuteronomy. And I just thought it was a, such an amazing thing. This family, Jesus' family, was based upon the Word of God. They learned it. And when Jesus was in his weakest point, the book of Deuteronomy came out to defeat the devil. And um, what, what trust Jesus had in his Father's Word to use his Word at that time, God's Word, the Father's Word, against Satan. What a... What amazing, uh, to me, that's amazing. Were, it, were, were you saying that the, in the Magnificata, she refers to Deuteronomy? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. That's cool. That's a, that's a nice connection there. This is what they rested on. They rested on God's word, even in those trying times, even in those questioning times. And Satan knows that. He knows that if he can get, if he can pry a little screwdriver underneath your truth, under your faith, he can lift the whole thing up. That's that's potential. So Jesus says, nope, nope, Satan, the, it is written. It is written. I learned this as a kid. It is written. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think that's a 
that's what Satan's doing here. It's the very beginning. I, what I find interesting about that is is that we always think um, it's me that's testing out the Word of God to see if it's true. But mm-hmm. is it actually the Word of God that's testing me out? Because you think of Joseph, speaking of Joseph, the one, I was thinking you were going to the Old Testament, and I was thinking, wow, what a what a combination. But but it works in both cases because Psalm one hundred five eighteen, speaking of Joseph, he was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the mm. Lord tried mm. him. Yes. So was Joseph learning to trust God, or was God, you was God testing him out? You know, was Joseph testing God, or was God testing Joseph? And, and and the scripture indicates, of course, that both are happening. But, you know, we think, God, why are you doing this? Because I have to learn this lesson. No, could it be that God is saying, are you ready to learn this lesson? And do you want to stay in this grade all your life? Or do you want to take, go up to the next grade? Do you want to grow? Do you want to learn? You know, so I've been thinking about some of the weird stuff that's happened in my life the last several years. And I had this thought of, of, uh, like training in the military and you know i, I don't con- I, i'm not on a level at this level but i had this thought because i've known some guys that have gone into special forces training and i'm not saying i'm a special forces christian i'm just saying that these guys intentionally sign up for hell week they they actually want to go undergo the worst time in their life they choose to do it and at any point you can go and ring the bell and you're out you're done and, uh, but when you realize that it's a competition, when you realize that it's quote unquote, a game, mm. it, it's a war, then you go, oh, okay. So as I'm going through this, I'm thinking if the Lord is saying to me, this is, Hey, do you want to quit? And I'm like, if this is actually a competition where you're judging how I respond, then the answer is no, I don't want to quit because that gives hope. That gives a reason for what you're going through. God is teaching me something through this that you're actually on a real obstacle course and not a random course. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that but there that's... is a purpose to each, to each, to each uh, strenuous effort you're making. There's a purpose to it. And the beauty of it is this God can, God can take what appears to be random and what appears to be the actions of, of, of random people based on their flesh or whatever. And he can actually incorporate that in the training program. So here's Joseph he is being put in fetters by by Potiphar, whom he served admirably and honorably. And he gets placed in to prison, you know, in Potiphar's house, you know, so here he is in the same house, but he's no longer able to move around and help and be in charge. Now he's, you know, in prison, incarcerated, and his feet are hurt in iron. And yet God used that action to train him in a certain way. Like that was another level. And I, and I think of Christ he learned obedience, you know, by the things which he suffered. He signed up for that. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He he knew going into it, but he hadn't experienced it. And it's that trusting in God all the way along. Brother George, mm. you're about to drop something on us, I can tell. No, I'm, I'm actually, you guys are talking. I'm just filling up my notes, so. <laughs> <laughs> this, what's what's, what's, what's like, the note there? I'm just that extracting the stuff, just typing along. 
<laughs> That's heresy. Don't follow that train no. of thought. What, what are your Watch notes? Out. What are you no, saying? I'll pass it off as my own. That's <laughs> hey, man. Good, good artist copy. Great artist steal. Hey, where do, man. Where That's do you hard. think I, uh, I got all my notes from? I'm literally logged onto your computer right now. <laughs> <laughs> we all steal yes. from each other. That's how it works. It just goes in a circle, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that, it, that's the that's the big secret, right? All, when I was a young preacher, I was like, "Man, these guys have got some great stuff." And then you're like, "Wait a minute, they all have the same books on yeah, the shelves." Right. <laughs> well, when I started reading uh, stuff that was written before Ruckman, I'm like, "Wait a second, he didn't come up with that, and he never told us." You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, mm. and the Lord hearkened and heard it. I think I think the Lord desires us uh, to speak one to another and to edify, exhort, challenge, you know. And what I love about uh, Wits End Podcast is all of our guests um, have the same foundation, the words of God. This is it. And we can trust those words. And we don't have to line up 100% with this group or with that guru. We thank God for them. You know, who is Paul, no. who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed. You believed. That's mm. right. We thank God for all of that. Even as the Lord gave to every man, <laughs> everyone mm-hmm. has had someone <laughs> to help them. And and yet the foundation of the words of God, it's the same for Joseph, you know, uh, the stepfather of Jesus. Same for Joseph, uh, the son of, of Israel. It's the same for Adam and Eve all the way through. It's exactly the same. Trusting the words of God and go out there in the playground, build sandcastle. You know, just recognize that it all belongs to God. And uh, well, okay, we've got uh, about an hour here. We've we've hit an hour. Let's go ahead and wrap it up, and uh, we'll start with our special guest, Uncle Matt. I can't believe this is—is is this your third time? This is my yeah. third time. It would be it would be more, but my my computer and stuff kind of fritz out in times. But no, it's my third mm. time. I've enjoyed it. I would I want to encourage you guys. I know there are young men that are listening. Sometimes they don't write in or whatever tell you, but they are. And this is a very unique. Um, uh, medium. This is our generation's radio because now we can't yeah. broadcast as you know. People have to subscribe to it. They have to kind of find us. You can you can spend the money to promote it and, and get in, and, and in front of people. But what I'm saying is, it's in the pocket of some of these teenagers. I know they're listening to it, uh, and so just want to encourage you to keep doing it because you're making them think about the word and words of God, and that's very valuable. Uh, I will leave everybody with this thought today. And it's kind of more of a devotional thought over the whole uh, passage of, you know, Genesis 3, 1 through 5. But just think about this. It's in the line of what we've been saying. If you were there that day, if you were Adam, you would have done the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the exception. And or every quicker. day we prove. What's that? Or quicker. Or quicker. But every day I prove mm. whether I would be Adam that day or not. Hmm. I prove, do I believe God's word or do I believe their word or do I believe my word? Mm, uh, that's good. I have to, it's, it's, it's a matter of hearing and whoever you listen to is who you trust. Mm. You really listen to that's who you trust. And I would say this, though he slay me yet, will I trust him? Mm. Sometimes God is, um, it's like when you, when you, when you study song of Solomon, right? Sometimes the man, the story just disappears, right? He's gone. Where'd he go? And you go look for him. Where'd he go? And he's acting strange, it seems. <laughs> and he's hiding. No, he's not. He's drawing you. Hmm. 
he's wanting you to find out what's so mysterious about this God. What's so amazing about this God? How do I find more about him? So the devil is over here tempting you, saying God's not worthy to be trusted. And God's saying, hey, come this way. Watch this. Come this way. <laughs> come with me. And whoever you believe is who you follow. So be careful who you listen to. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I don't know what the population or the membership of the, the Satanist church is, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's less than a million people. Um, the devil did not bring, did not try to get them to worship him. Um, what he was yeah. trying to do is get them not to worship God. And, mm. and he's just, he's just trying to get us to get away from the Lord because he is the most wonderful. He is the, mm. he is everything. So, and that's really good. Every day you're an Adam. What are you going to do in the garden? That's great. Brother George, what do you got? That's very good. I'm going to have to remember to write that down. He didn't try to get them, get them to worship him, but uh, not to worship God. That's all he needs to get in. Um, just to finish up the, so we're not ignorant of his devices, his principles, spheres of influence. Um, religion spirituality just because something is connected with god doesn't mean satan is not involved he is a god after all and he seeks worship <clears> above all else it's, he's not into money he's got money he's into worship that's what he wanted from the lord jesus christ if thou wilt bow down and worship me so just because you're uh, we are part of a religious movement does not mean atheism is not the only satanic movement out there mm. you can be religious and be on satan's side unwill unwittingly worshiping him unwittingly He's a religious being. That's primarily where he functions. Um, he functions in the area. He's, Satan is interested in Bible seminaries. Satan is interested in theological degrees. This is his bread and butter. That's what he is at the end of the day. Um, politics is another sphere of influence. All these kingdoms of this world will I give unto thee, for that is delivered unto me, he says. So he's in politics. He's, in, he's not just... Uh, you know, with the red tail and, and the three-pronged fork and the horns, although he actually does look like that. It's not just a caricature, but he often appears as a sophisticated man of the world, cultured, educated, wearing suit and tie, and smelling of beautiful perfume. Um, he's into education because uh, Martin Luther observed in his commentary that the uh, first time we meet the devil in the scriptures, he appears under the tree of knowledge. Now, not necessarily, but at least he appears in connection with the tree of knowledge. So he offers esoteric knowledge and we can we can go down that rabbit trail one day. He's into finance. According to Ezekiel, he was made one of the reasons why he got proud was because of the increase of his traffic and merchandise in the angelic civilization. So he's in he's in Wall Street. He's in the stock market. He's in Bitcoin. Um, we need to know how he is it, because mm. too often we think of him as just drugs and prostitution and rock and roll, and he's mm. way more sophisticated than that. Mm. Uh, and he's into music. Uh, you know, he's he was actually a musical instrument. The workmanship of thy tabards and thy pipes was created in the, the day that I was uh, created, uh, formed. So he's into worship teams, worship music, Christian concerts, you know, song leaders, all that kind of stuff. And of course, we're not saying that any of those things is, is intrinsically wrong. I'm involved in all, all five of these. Uh, but we need to know how he functions. And lastly, I would say, given that, um, especially for the people who are listening, and I'm glad you're listening, if you're one of those people that used to believe and you've grown wiser now and you, i don't follow mommy and daddy anymore i don't listen to the pastor i used to be a christian i used to go to church and 
I used to believe the Bible, but not anymore because I'm all the wiser for it today. And they're the ones who are deceived and I'm scientifically rationally minded now and I'm enlightened. Well, I would submit to you if you would listen is the very, that very pattern that you've lived out of having been in innocence, believing the word of God, having been exposed to a higher level of knowledge, quote unquote, and having come out on the other side, deciding against faith in the Bible. That very pattern is reflect is a reflection of what you read in Genesis chapter 3. So the very fact that you once believed and don't believe anymore is a living out of what you read in Genesis chapter 3. So the very fact that you went from innocent belief to knowledgeable unbelief is in itself a vindication of the Bible as at least an accurate representation of the human experience. And being that, you should therefore trust it and go back to believing in the Bible you know, mm -hmm. as the Word of God. And and that reminds me of uh, the simplicity that is in Christ. Um, you know, he Christ upholds all things by the Word of His power. Uh, the the atoms of the universe, uh, the scientists don't know what holds them together. Why why do they, you know, orbit one another? Why do the atoms and the the protons and the neutrons, why do they stay connected? How do they stay connected? Um, what is it that that keeps atoms together to to form a, a a car to form a tree well it's the word of his powers so the simplicity that is in christ contains all of the complexity of the universe so when we're talking about leaving simplicity you know to give to the young man subtlety that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field he what he introduces is layers and complexities but he there's no um, singularity that can bring it all together. Jesus Christ is the singularity. So when you trust Christ, it's possible. Um, there's a philosopher that talked about the simplicity uh, There's at the very bottom. You think of three spheres. There's simplicity at the bottom, and then there's a huge sphere called complexity. And then at the top, the third one is another sphere of simplicity. Simplicity, that's good. So simplicity, complexity. A lot of times people get into complexity via social media or they watch, you know, you know, uh, Bart Ehrman or they watch um, whoever would be, a, you know, uh, Richard Dawkins or someone like that, Christopher Hitchens. They watch these guys and they Kevin go, oh, Thompson. yeah, there, there's, there's some great questions nobody ever talked about in my church. My dad and mom never understood that, you know, my, basically, there's a lot more knowledge out there than I ever knew. So it's stupid to believe and trust in one thing. Okay, which, by the way, let me remind you, all those philosophers are not seeking to divide, divide, divide. They're actually seeking to find the truth that is better than other people's truth. They oh. are themselves looking for singularity. So that complexity that you're looking for. Yeah. It, if yeah, you will. If, yeah, even in physics, it's called gut, the great unifying theory. Mm -hmm. They're looking for something that explains all fields of physics, which which is why you had um, the what is it the answer to everything in the galaxy Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or something. I never watched it, but there's something there about the uh, the, the answer to everything. Um, I can't remember, but whatever. The whole idea is we've got to find the purpose, the answer. Okay, it's not silly and childlike in one way to follow Jesus. It's simply realizing that compared to Jesus, I am mm. a child. I mm. put my trust in Jesus as a child would because I believe that there is someone that is far superior to me. And I'm going to trust that one. And instead of trying to become that one, I'm going to trust that one. Instead of trying <clears throat> to imitate him, 
like Satan does. I am going to humble myself to him. Instead of trying to find someone to worship me, I'm going to worship him. And when you do that, it all flows back into simplicity. Are you a child? Yes, you are a child, but you're a child of the king. And you have access to all knowledge. You have access to all joy and love and peace through him. I'll, I'll share with you a little anecdote along those lines, kind of tangential. But uh, somebody told me, who knows Dr. Ruckman, you Dr. Mark Ruckman personally, this, uh, this uh, sweet Lutheran, uh, actually university professor, asked him to come in and teach her class. Um, so And so Dr. Ruckman comes in, it's in university, and he goes up to the whiteboard. And one of the ways you can tell a dispensationalist is we, all, we always have a whiteboard <laughs> or, a black, or a blackboard. Somebody said, Reformed have books, dispensationalists have uh, whiteboards, and nominal Christians have icons. But so he goes up to the board, and he's drawing out like the seven dispensations, you know, and he's going through like how it used to work soteriology in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Then he's talking about five different explanations for the existence of the universe. You know, he's got that in one of his charts. And like he's, he's going on by like 50 minutes into it. He's all over the place. He's got all kinds of lines and scribbles. So she raises her hand in the back of the class and she says, Dr. Ruckman, are you trying to tell us that faith in the blood of Jesus Christ will get us to heaven? He's like, yes, that's right. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> like, like, that's, that's what I said, man. That's what I said. She's trying to like, simplify it for everybody. Because <laughs> even the university students are completely lost. <laughs> it kind of brings them back down to earth. You know? oh, are you going to give them the gospel here at one point? <laughs> you know, what? Great preacher. You know what? Great point. That is actually what I meant to say. <laughs> oh, it's good. That's good. You know, well, John, we... you're saying, you're, you're, I'll just finish with this one thought. You guys, uh, you know, you're talking about you, Satan gets in there, he, tests, he tempts you and tests you. Is God real? Can I really trust him? I mean, that's what your podcast is called. It's called The Wit's End. <laughs> and when you get to the end of your wit, the next verse says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their <laughs> trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Praise mm. the Lord. I, I, I mean, mm. devotionally, at the end of the, the path, it's mm. God. It's Jesus and God sitting right there. And you, that's where you want to be there. That's where you're trying to get to. Mm. That's great. Man, I love it. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm glad we gave you a little extra uh, time to think, Matt, because you came, you brought the heat today. You were <laughs> loaded for bear. I love it. I, well, praise God. We stand on shoulders. Amen. 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 We all do. We all do. And, um, and so I'm really thankful for uh, what you gentlemen uh, believe concerning the Bible and your faith in God and, and your testimony and your ministries. Uh, it's a real blessing. If you want to reach out to us, um, listeners, you can do so at witsendguys at gmail.com. Witsendguys at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, it's, been, it's been a blessing talking with you guys. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Look forward to uh, next time around. And, uh, man, we just have started in Genesis chapter 3, but we have a lot mm. more to go. So we'll look forward to doing that. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. Amen. God bless you guys.